Are you ready to vibe? You're listening to Creepy Vibes Only. Sorry, Lou, it's okay. No one is here, Lou. It's just the three of us. It's yeah, okay. Come go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this time Lewis is chiller. Yeah. He's a lot calmer today, actually. He is. Hasn't attacked me yet. Yeah, he went to the dog park. Oh. Yeah, he did a good run. Okay. Yeah, it was very special. Cool for him. He's so nice. He had a good Zoom. I know he's uh, a snuggly guy. <laughs> a big horse. He took the, like, prime spot on the couch, which is, like... One of the corners. Typical Lou. He's like, I'm very comfortable. Oh, 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 Lewis. <laughs> Lewis, you can't. Oh, don't knock over the microphone. Okay, bye. Lewis is done for shit. Yeah. Lewis was like, now that we turned on the recording, Lewis is like, let me walk right in front of the mic. So we'll see how that turns out. <laughs> Professionalism <laughs> in the podcast. It's okay, Lou. You're forgiven. Yeah. You're very cute. So. We're back to recording in person again. Yeah, we uh, migrated from my room to the living room. Mm-hmm. Big we'll exciting changes here. Well, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh God, you know one thing I've noticed that we have stopped doing since our like summer blitz recording. What we've stopped asking her like, what's keeping you up at night? That's true. We lost our brand. What <laughs> is our brand? <laughs> yeah, what is keeping you up at night? Uh, none of us. I don't even know. <laughs> okay, great. I'm so glad we got into this. Where's what a good prompt? Let me think. You, what do you have anything? Oh, I've been like listening to audiobooks until 2 a.m. And because I do, I was so typically I listen to like a podcast, usually like something by the McElroys because I've okay. listened to them all already, like yeah. The Adventure Zone or My Brother, My Brother and Me. But I've gotten like really into like a few different series okay for audiobooks and the challenge is like i want to keep listening to them so i just stay awake <laughs> i don't like go off into dreamland as though like i've already heard it and it's soothing to me like i can no longer listen to the adventures on while i drive because it start i start to fall asleep like oh it's pavlovian now <laughs> not to say it's not extremely entertaining uh not that a mcelroy would ever listen to this podcast because they're actually imagine if they would i cry <laughs> I would actually cry. I'd be like so starstruck. They're so cool. Um, yeah, no. I mean, manifesting, right? Yes. But uh, yeah, no. So I've been listening to just story, like just different books, like whatever okay. I want to, because I'm finally using up the like 15 Audible credits that are on my account. Nice. Historically, Ryan's been the only one using them. Because <laughs> he uses my Prime. And now that we're on Audible, you can listen to us. And they, yeah. yeah, that wasn't even an intentional segue. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, let's go to Amazon. Give us a good review. Five stars only. Exactly. If it's not positive, we don't want it. No. Okay, I feel like I give you ample time to think. <laughs> Are you just sleeping super well? I actually am. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Things have been great. I'm sleeping. Like the only millennial who's getting <laughs> proper sleep these days. Oh my god. Also, shout out to Sweden. Yes. We now have Swedes. We do. Sweden, we love you. It's so exciting. 
<laughs> we also like went into Anchor today and we're just like poking around. Americans, you guys, yeah. there's, there's so many different states listening. That's so exciting. And Canadians. Yes. You're not realize we're like a coast to coast Canada mm. thing. Like I figured. It's freaking weird. Yeah. Like I assume British Columbia is Samantha and not Al. <laughs> I don't know anyone anywhere. Okay. Well, that's good. You know, people in Quebec. Do we even have people in Quebec? I feel like we probably don't. Uh, Maybe just my mom. Uh, <laughs> I'm too scared to leave the recording area. So uh, we'll never, I, I guess we'll never know. Actually, I can look on my phone. Let's see. Uh, Quebec? It'll be on the next episode. Quebec, are you showing up? Actually. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. Canada? Let's see. We just have my mom. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just still. Oh, it doesn't say. Maybe uh, Jovi? Uh, I think she like doesn't listen to it quite often. That's fine. So she wouldn't show up That's on the stats. She's a busy woman. She's it's a child fine. Now. Yeah, she has a baby. Yeah. It's oh crazy. <laughs> but yeah, no, actually I'm sleeping very well. You and Lewis, eh? Yeah, we've been we've been doing great. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. You know, the only the one thing that did a few nights ago, the coyote like coyotes nearby had like went crazy. The coyotes, the coyotes, and they've scared the shit out of Milo, which then scared shit out of me. Because Lewis it. isn't there to protect him this time. No. Yeah. So that was it. It's the only incident I've had. <laughs> well, I mean, that's good. At least it's coyotes and nothing nefarious. Yeah. Stephanie lives near, like, a ravine, so she's convinced ghosts walk through her house. All the time. Constantly. <laughs> just, it's like, like, what's it called? Uh, Grand Central Station. Yeah. Just. You've had scary shit happen in my house. You and Lou. That is true. So. There was a shadow. I don't know what it was. Maybe I had a small stroke. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Uh, also, yesterday was your birthday. Yeah. Yay. I turned 30. You've joined the land of the 30s. I, I, it was so funny. So I turned 30 yesterday and I literally went to bed at 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> so I could listen to my audiobook. And because I was tired. I just didn't like, I didn't sleep the night before because I was up listening to my audiobook. So I was like, I need to bed early. <laughs> so I turned 30 and I'm not even getting one to bed at 8. I got up this morning at 7. It was fantastic. Good for you. Yeah. See, that's what, it's, it's great living the dream so anyone who i te who texted me who i didn't respond to that's why <laughs> i put on airplane mode and i went to sleep <laughs> like goodbye everyone hope i don't get any important phone calls until remember calling you because i want to know what time i showed up and then like hang up go home then like holy shit i didn't even wish her a happy birthday that's fine that's i come so to expect bad. it i texted you though you did you did text me i did respond to that yes you did, did say thank you that was before i went to sleep <laughs> Oh, living the dream. Mm -hmm. Anyways, who's starting this week? I started last two times, so you can start. Oh, yeah, I keep being like, it's you, Steph. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I have a very exciting lead up. Oh. I, I say that. It's not. <laughs> it's like a pretty generic, like, in a world. No. In 1585, England established the Roanoke, the Roanoke Settlement on what is now the coast of North Carolina. In 1590, the settlement was found to be completely empty. Hmm. All 116 residents had disappeared without a trace. <gasps> a oh, you know, I know what this is. Yeah. A single word was found carved into a fence post. Croatoan. <gasps> oh, this is a good one. <laughs> yeah. Also get into it. Colonizers. <laughs> uh, okay. So kind of some backstory. It's basically colonizers being colonizers and then disappearing. But we'll get into it. Uh, I say that as like the, the child of 
colonizers. Anyways, uh, in 1584, Elizabeth I, so Queen of England, gives Sir Walter uh, Raleigh a royal charter to colonize North America, as they were doing <laughs> across the world. Basically, they did this because they wanted to have a base of operations in this particular case, so they could raid like the Spanish fleets going from Central and South America back to Spain. Okay. So they just wanted like a spot they could launch off, fuck up their ships, steal their treasure, and, and go back like, and chill. <laughs> All the while, like exploiting land. So Walter really is like sick. <laughs> and he sends the first expedition to explore the East Coast of North America. And they land on Roanoke Island. And they establish what is quote as good relations with the indigenous people who sure. on the island. Yeah. <laughs> the green salt. So this particular indigenous group uh, were named the Croatoans. Okay. So the expedition then brings two Croatoans back to England with them. And the Croatoans then kind of explain how they live successfully on the island. Uh, really is like, oh, wow. Thank you very much for this helpful information. And in order to thank the indigenous people, what he does is he sends out a second expedition, which then exacerbated their exploitation of land resources. What a great, mm. thank you. So unsurprisingly, the indigenous people didn't love that. Yeah. Like they were, that then kind of led to, not kind of, but did lead to uh, significant fighting between the indigenous people and the colonizers. Yeah. And only 15 men from the expedition stayed to protect uh, the land Rayleigh had claimed as England on Roanoke Island. So they kind of left a smaller group there. So in 1587, uh, Raleigh sends a third and final expedition. Uh, he decides his friend John White should be the leader and then govern the colony. So this voyage is different. So the first couple were just expeditions sending a crew to either explore and establish a settlement um, or protect the settlement. Mm -hmm. The third one had women and children, so they were truly going to settle the okay. island. So they were establishing a truly functional colony there. So when White arrived and his group arrived, all they found in the previous group of 15 was one skeleton. Nice. So off to a smashing start. Great welcoming party. Yeah. So John White is like, oh, good. Um, and good thing the children are here. <laughs> yeah. Like, Welcome, guys. It's great. <laughs> Uh, he then reestablishes reestablish, what is what is again considered good relations with the Croatoan, but understandably some indigenous people uh, that the previous travelers had struggled with refused to meet him. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So John White uh, returns to England later in the year, leaving the group behind. What a hmm. good governor. <laughs> so in 1588, he wants to return, being John White. But uh, the Spanish Armada has begun an assault in England. <laughs> so this, the ensuing war then uh, basically prevents him from going back to Roanoke. Uh, and he couldn't gather supplies and then go back to Roanoke for another three years. Oh, shit. So three years passes. And on... So is this like three years of them not getting supplies? Yeah, no one goes from England to them in three years. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, they are like... They're North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, okay. Any, but I mean, like, I'm not terribly familiar with the East Coast, but I imagine, like, actually, I bet you winter's pretty hard there. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, like, a settlement of 116 people. It's not a huge group. Um, but not a lot of people to feed. That's true. Well, either way, on August 18th, uh, 1590, he arrives on Roanoke Island, and it is completely deserted. 
there's no evidence of like violence or any other like big disaster. Uh, it's like just completely deserted. Weird. Nary a soul to be found. So the only clues he found, I say he, I assume there were other people with him, uh, that kind of give any hint to like what had happened was the word Croatoan, which was carved into a fence post and the letters CRO, so crow, carved into a tree. Um, any buildings that were there were totally disassembled. Oh. So that kind of led, like leads us to believe like it wasn't an urgent, like they didn't flee urgently. Yeah. Or maybe if they did, someone came into all the stuff after, I don't know. Um, so they assume people hadn't been forced out in like a quick rush. Um, the colonists had been told that if like they were forced to leave, like against their will, they were to carve a Maltese cross into a tree, okay. but they didn't find any hmm. at all. Probably forgot the symbol after three years. They're like, was it, what was it? What was it again? A sun and stars, <laughs> a heart. <laughs> um, so John White assumes like, like deduces from these clues that the colony, like the colonizers had uh, moved to the nearby Croatoan Island, which was, is south of Roanoke Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was like a particularly stormy, bad weathery situation. So he and his men couldn't go look for them. Okay. Uh, his men also refused to go look for the colonists. <laughs> they were like, fuck this. And they left the next day. They were like, they tried real hard. They were like, oh, no one's here. <laughs> well, bye. It's too stormy today. I gotta go home. Sorry. Yeah. You know what? Fuck the shit I'm out. <laughs> oh, God. So there were two kind of main expeditions that the English did to investigate immediately after. Um, in 1602, Sir Walter really, uh, or Raleigh, I keep alternating between the pronunciations. It's okay. Walter? <laughs> <laughs> Wally uh, went out to uh, find out what happened himself. He was like, what the fuck? So he hires his own ship and uh, like out of pocket and pays like the wages for his crew so that they would focus on the mission. Like he really wants them to like buy into Fine, it. So they get to Virginia, um, which is North South Carolina, if memory serves. Um, but again, like bad weather, severe storm. So they had to go back to England before they could reach Roanoke Island, which is like crazy to me. Like, the they're right like... there. <laughs> like, just go south. Just chill out. Dock your boat. I don't know. I'm not a sailor. No, I just gotta go home. It doesn't go your way. Go home. They're like, you know what? <laughs> it's bad weather. That's like, I like to me, the equivalent is me driving, like, all the way to your house, getting to, like, the house down, being like, it's storming. I'm gonna go back home. <laughs> Anyways, uh, rally. Uh, rally? Rally. Wally? <laughs> Well, he gets back to England and he's arrested for treason. Oh, okay. So he doesn't go back. <laughs> That's not funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Listen, nothing wrong with a colonizer getting got. Yeah. Um, in 1603, Bartholomew Gilbert. Oh, is, wow. Yeah. Little Bart. Bart's like, you know what? We need to find what happened. So uh, <laughs> he, it also goes really well. <laughs> <laughs> really just things. Uh, a storm blows this one off course and uh-huh. the team that goes ashore, so like some stay, some go on to shore, uh, is attacked and killed by the indigenous population who have not had a great run in so far with the colonizers, yeah. so fair enough. Yeah. The remaining crew goes back to England <laughs> and um, they learn nothing. 
So, uh, Roanoke, rough time. So there are some theories okay. as to what happened. So let's investigate. Okay. Also, shout out to historycollection.com because that's where I got pretty well everything apart from like some of the history from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are like the, the uh, eight theories that History Collection identifies. So the first is that the colonists either um, kind of merged with and were taken in by the indigenous populations okay. or they were enslaved. So they basically assume that that happened because um, one of the settlers in the Jamestown uh, settlement, which is nearby-ish, in 1607 documents four men that came from Roanoke who were living among the Iroquois there. And in the early 1600s to the mid-1700s, colonists from from Europe claimed to have met gray-eyed indigenous folks that that claimed to have descended from white colonists okay um and then french huguenots who were another group of colonists left records of meeting blonde-haired blue-eyed indigenous people okay um when they arrived on the tar river so it could be that the Mm -hmm. roanoke uh population and the croatoans who had like what was described as a good relationship maybe just had a really good relationship yeah maybe joined up um so that's one otherwise like it's theorized that the indigenous people who didn't have who like had like fairly acrimonious feelings towards them understandably enslaved them them. they're like you know what (laughs) come to our land you have no supplies yeah uh the second theory is like the famous like croatoan one and i find this like so interesting because it pops up through history around the world um so the word croton as i mentioned was found uh etched into a fence post at the abandoned colony Mm -hmm. and what i find really interesting is like right before he died edgar Allan poe uh sorry so (laughs) edgar Allan poe famously disappeared before he died Mm -hmm. and when he was found again he was like crazy out of it okay like super delirious and apparently one of the last words he said before he died in his delirium was croatoan oh yeah and we still don't know how poe died his official cause of death is unknown his medical records and death certificate were like lost and we'll really never know what happened to him the night he died hmm yeah interesting uh, in other kind of famous disappearances throughout the 19th and 20th century, so 1800s to 1900s, um, the word reappears. Okay. So in 1888, um, Black Bart, who was a stagecoach robber, carved the word into the wall of a cell before he was released from prison. He was then never seen or heard from again. Hmm. Um, Amelia Earhart, who famously tried to fly or, or fly through the Bermuda Triangle and then died. Um, it was found in her journal after she's, she disappeared in 1937. Fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, so Ambrose Pierce was a famous horror writer and he disappeared in Mexico in 13 or 1913 and the and they found the word Croto and carved into one of the posts of his bed. And finally, 
1921, a Croatoan was written on the last page of the logbook of the Carol A. Deering, which was a ship. Uh, and it was written on the last page when it crashed into Cape Hatteras near Croatoan Island. So the entire think, crew scared. Like, what happens? Like what you say that word and then boom, off to another like universe? Who knows? Ooh. Yeah. And no one knows why the word is like, well, maybe they do. Maybe I just haven't researched it adequately, but from my understanding, like the word is just like on its own. Like it's, there's no context around yeah. it. They're not like, we're near Croatoan Island. It's just Croatoan. Weird. Yeah. Um, another theory is that the colonists were killed. Uh, so Captain John Smith uh, arrived to uncover what happened in uh, Roanoke. So he arrived in 67 and he claimed, and again, this is an allegation, uh, that Chief Powhatan told him that he killed the people of the colony to retaliate against them for living with the another tribe that didn't want to ally with them. Okay. Allegedly, um, the chief showed John Smith items that he took from the, co the Roanoke colony to support his story, which uh, included a musket barrel, a brass mortar and pestle. Okay, but at the same time, though, like, he could have just, like, walked next to the, like, the, like, empty house and be like, oh, this is cool. Let me grab this shit. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. He could have just had it and then he's like, oh, no, it means he murdered them. No. 100%. Um, six, by 1609, the story gets to England and King James and the Royal Council then blame uh, Powhatan for the missing colonists. Of course. Um, William Strache also backs up the story and then in his investigation, in his work, the historic Chorai into Virginia, Britannia, he confirms the slaughter and he claims that Powhatan uh, ordered the killings because there was a prophecy that he would be conquered and overthrown by people from that area. Unsurprisingly, like historians and anthropologists uh, think this is categorically false. Yeah. Uh, because there are never any bodies or archaeological evidence that support that claim. Mm-hmm. Uh, despite that, it's persisted for hundreds of years. Plus, like, if he's going to murder them, like, why would he then hide the bi bodies and then yeah, like, confess would, to it? Well, that's it. And, like, why would they disassemble all the buildings? Yeah. And, like, they're off. It, like, it, no, they would move the fuck in if they wanted to. Well, and that's it. Like, anytime there's, not anytime, but, like, when there's a big raid and a huge murder, like, even from, like, thousands of years ago, they can find evidence of it. Yeah. Like, things get preserved, right? Mm -hmm. So. Bullshit. Um, one that I, uh, kind of feel is more likely is that the Spanish murdered the settler, the settlers. Cause like they'd established it to fuck around with the Spanish colonizers and their ships. Mm -hmm. So one theory is that the Spanish came and were like, fuck you. And England and Spain were also in the middle of a war during the time when Roanoke's settlement disappeared. But then again, if they would have murdered them, they would have found the bodies. Like, they would have cleaned up after. That's true. So that's unless true. they, like, took them. Yeah, that's true. Ha-ha! All right, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? That makes sense, because, like, there were no bodies ever found. Yeah. So, like, no matter who murders them, there's still going to be a body. Yeah, right, touche. And you know what? Like, they also wouldn't have, like, taken the time to dismantle the settlements. No, they would have been, like, boasting about being like, fuck your people, come and yeah, find their bodies. You know I feel like, honestly, like, I feel like it's most likely that they just upped and moved. Oh, for sure. Because, like, why else would you, like, take your houses yeah. and stuff? They, like, built a little, they dismantled their houses, tried to build ships, 
ships didn't work, sunk in the ocean. Fini. <laughs> Some of that. Case closed. <laughs> uh, going back to one of our favorite topics. Yes. Um, another theory is that it was cannibalism. Uh, Your favorite. Fuck. I walked right into that one. So, uh, <laughs> people, they say, uh, <laughs> uh, either there are people of Roanoke um, were victims of or that or either um, resorted to cannibalism. Okay. So, uh, understandably, other indigenous tribes were hostile to outsiders and they weren't actually got on good terms with the settlers or the Crotons. So the indigenous people on the southern island, like below mm -hmm. Roanoke. So I guess it's possible that one of those groups were cannibals. But again, like there were no bodies found at the settlement. But I mean, unless they use the bones for like something else. Or like it would also make sense for like the colonizers to resort to cannibalism because well, look at the... they don't know how to live off the land. Yeah, they don't have supplies for three years, so they probably like start off like eating the weak, and then there's like two guys left, hundred percent, and they either died or joined somebody else. Or that would make sense. Here's the crux oh. of the issue, though. There's no definitive evidence that any of the indigenous tribes in that area were cannibals, though. No, I'm not saying the indigenous. Oh, I'm saying yeah. the like colonizers oh, yeah. not knowing how to survive like the indigenous that do look at the resort to that it happens um yeah i mean there's still no evidence it ever happened but it's a theory <laughs> uh i think my boat theory is the right one uh so this one disease oh has uh some historical basis okay to make it true so they may have encountered a disease that they had no immunity to because they were in a new environment yeah. the same way like we brought smallpox mm -hmm. over more deliberately um so this theory uh presents that maybe they could have caught like a plague that maybe gave them delirium or madness or something else but then again where are the bodies so it could be that um like, unless one person survived and burnt all the bodies to get rid of the disease. Yeah, and that gets, like, the people who were healthy, like, might have disposed of the sick because they were didn't want to get ill, right? Yeah. Um, and this could have then escalated into a violent situation. So what they might have done, and they people have done historically, is, like, once, like, they're hit by a plague, they kind of section off the sick the way they did during, like, the bubonic plague and things like that. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, some reports from indigenous tribes in the area, there were reports of like infighting in the Roanoke tribe or okay. in the Roanoke settlement, I should say, before everyone disappeared. Okay. So it kind of supports it. Yeah. Uh, unless it was some other cause of fighting, right? So this also would support the multiple reports of Europeans living within indigenous populations in the later years after the colony disappears. Yeah. Um, but the only crux of it is that, like, what happened to the bodies of the sick people, like you said? Fucking chuck them to the sea. Maybe. Or burn them. Although yeah. bones would stay behind, potentially, if, if the fire wasn't hot enough. Well, they don't have anything else to do, so they might as well <laughs> just, just burning it repeatedly. Just, like, burning it. Vessel. <laughs> Here's one you'll like. Oh, Aliens? Uh, no. Uh, witchcraft. 
fun. Very fun. Uh, so there are two main theories that are centric around witchcraft. So either um, the Croatoan executed the colonists as witches, or the colonists were victims of witches who lived in the woods in North Carolina. Uh, for sure, that's what happened. <laughs> so good. So the Crotons believed in witchcraft and mm-hmm. witches um, and their definition of witches were people who used like evil magic to okay. cause bad shit. Evil. In more polite terms. There's no evidence that the Crotons um, executed witches or that the Croton actually accused the settlement at Roanoke of witchcraft. They were known to condemn dangerous outsiders. So um, it stands to reason they could have blamed the people of Roanoke for splitting diseases uh, to which the Croton had no immunity. Mm-hmm. The way that like, like famously or infamously happened throughout history yeah. by colonizers. Um, so the Crotons and other indigenous uh, peoples tell legends of witches who live in North Carolina woods who used uh, black magic to hurt people. And there is a story that the people of Roanoke became the victims of these witches when they left the island, which is why they were never heard from again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very fun. So one last one. Um, actually, sorry, there's two more. Second last one. <laughs> so supernatural slash religious explanations oh um there have been a plethora of supernatural and religious uh, explanations that incorporate the indigenous belief systems um while there are no like western scientific basis for these theories they are still sometimes taken seriously by the indigenous populations as explanations as to what happened to the western or sorry to the missing settlers of roanoke um they typically involve different indigenous spirits and explain not only the behavior of the colonists before they disappeared, mm-hmm. but like also why there was no trace of them left behind. Okay. So one of our faves, um, one potential cause was a Wendigo. Oh, or Wendigos. So as we discussed, because we find this topic fascinating, yeah. fascinating mm-hmm. is you become a Wendigo typically through some sort of form of like selfishness or anti-collaborative behavior. Yeah. So in this case, because uh, they suspect that the, like the colonizers resorted to cannibalism, their bodies were taken over by Wendigos or they became Wendigos. Okay. So again, like if they resorted to that, then that basically hypothesizes that they're still alive roaming the woods of North Carolina as Wendigos. Uh, that's gross. That's a good number of potential Wendigos. Too many. Just like... Too many. Wendig don't. <laughs> <laughs> so another um, theory okay. within that like religious um, sect is that the Croton believed that, or believe, that there is a spirit on the island that has the power to absorb humans into the landscape, which I, and I love this one. I think it's like poetic justice. So if the spirit was offended or angered, it could turn the people into like trees, rocks, animals, stones, like any component of that environment. Very cool. So if the colonists were exploiting Mm -hmm. the land, which we know they, yeah, they were, they were obviously abusing it. 
it could have upset the spirit and offended it. Mm-hmm. So this means that the people didn't disappear. They were just... They're just trees. They're chilling. Yeah, you like... Sorry, they're carving in the tree. They're like, I'm actually... <laughs> just like, here, turn its branch, and it's like, <laughs> they were right. Uh, the last one is okay. the Croton also believe in what's called the reptilian devil of the woods. Oh. So this is an evil spirit that can attach itself to people. And it makes people violent, greedy, paranoid, um, like delusional. Like it really messes with them. Yeah. So the Croton uh, believed that the reptilian devil of the woods had possessed the settlers once they started to turn on each other after um, White left for England to get more supplies for them. Okay. So it kind of like took advantage of the turmoil going on to manifest itself. Which then, like, full circle, right? With the Wendigos. Yeah. They become greedy and everything that they're against, they take over. I know. It all, like, kind of intertwines. It's teamwork. Teamwork (laughs) makes the dream work. (laughs) You're here for the uh, reptilian devil and the Wendigos. (laughs) Rising together. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. And then maybe the rest were absorbed. For sure. Yeah. Or... We're not actually being sarcastic, guys. Like, we re- we're really living for this. Yes. This or they built their shitty boats, and they off went off in the sea, and they sunk, and they're in Atlantis. 100% that's what happened. You guys can't see the look I'm giving stuff here right now. <laughs> Anyways. For sure, that's what happened. So we have one last theory. Oh. This is the Dare Stones. Okay. And it's not a game. It sounds like a fun game, though. Yeah, it does sound like a fun game. It was funny when I heard, like stones were used to like convey messages i was expect i was like imagining like on lost like the sos like in rocks <laughs> um but actually um these were stones that were found between um 1937 to 1940 okay and these stones allegedly tell the story of what happened to the colonists on roanoke island okay so they're called the deer stones because allegedly they were like they appeared to be mostly be written by Eleanor Dare, who was John White's daughter. Mm-hmm. So our current understanding is, like through historians is that all but the first stones were a hoax. Okay. So the first stone after being reviewed by, um, you know, the Smithsonian Institute, the Emory university, um, and Dr. Haywood Pierce and uh, other like significant groups over the years mm-hmm. is like that stood up to it. Okay. Um, the History Channel also did like a really great uh, investigation into them uh, and identified that the first one was real, okay. the first one was fully authentic, but the rest have been carved with drills. Okay. But in any case, here's what these stones yes. basically say. Let's hear the gossip. So. <laughs> The first stone, which we understand and believe to be authentic, mm-hmm. um, stated that Eleanor's husband and daughter were dead. Uh, and that whoever found the stone should tell her father. Okay. Dead of what? Well, does she tell? The other side of the stone reported oh. that only seven of the Roanoke colonists were alive and that Native American, or sorry, Indigenous people had I murdered the rest. It was signed EWD. They believed to be Eleanor White Dare. So um, we can, I'll actually read the inscription on the front of the stone to you. Okay. 
Ananias Steer and Virginia went hence unto heaven, 1591. And again, I'm reading like old English, like any Englishman show, John White, governor via like Virginia. Hmm. Yeah. So in 1940, 47 more stones are found. Very nice. Someone was busy. Yeah. I'm just imagining someone just like, um, and they were dating until 1599. Okay. So like, that's quite a long time. Yeah. It's like nine years. Mm hmm. Um, one state stone that was dated 1592, uh, claims that the survivors, uh, were safe and that they were living with a tribe in the Nacoochee Valley in Georgia. Okay. One from 1598 claimed that Eleanor Dare had married the local chief. Oh. Uh, a subsequent one claimed that she had given birth to his daughter. Okay. And unfortunately the tribe was unhappy about it. Just like sus to me. Yeah. She's like a little Perez Hilton. Yeah. Giving the gospel. Honestly, and just as toxic, truly. <laughs> um, a within that stone, sorry, on the same inscription, uh, the alleged Eleanor <laughs> requested that her father bring the girl back to England with him. Okay, so you're gonna like write a message on a rock, leave the rock there, and hope that someone's gonna find it. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, yeah, honestly. <laughs> and then one from 1599 stated that Eleanor had died, but that Agnes, her uh, alleged daughter with the uh, chief, had survived her. So Again. who wrote the stone? <laughs> so what like <laughs> tickles me is that all but the first ones were clearly created with a drill. <laughs> God, I'm just like imagining some like person in like the 40s, like, yeah, see, like, I'll make lots of money out of these. Yeah. Like at least yeah. try. Just try to like poke at it. Yeah. At least, like, chisel it. Like if the she way... was able to do it back then, you can most certainly do it now. Like I assume like Eleanor on like the one the one stone that is apparently authentic probably yeah. is like I don't know like I assume like a chisel and a hammer yeah like, we've been using those for millennia mm -hmm. and some loser was just like let me get my devault one second they will never know yeah they're not gonna know this is mastercraft <laughs> you know they're stupid but it's like the last so be like oh Eleanor die and she has a daughter if these are supposed to be Eleanor who's writing the stone yeah Agnes? daughter just took her hat her hobby Agnes is no older than nine. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah. So it, it says like the stones say that Eleanor had married the chief in 1598. Agnes was not carving into stones the next year. I mean, maybe it wasn't Agnes, but like <laughs> she who's... was very advanced for her age. Okay. Yeah. But like who the fuck else would do it? Who else gives a shit? It's unless a good like, business unless it was real and they were like oh fuck I'm at Eleanor the crazy stone lady gotta keep that going <laughs> got a really great blog going here let's pick up the mantle uh, so anyways I who knows this. I guess we'll never know oh, never never big mystery yeah that's it I like how like um some of the like the theories are intertwined yes yeah so that makes sense but the whole murder thing doesn't make sense because of where the bodies go where was the body like Nancy Grace. No body, no crime. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's how the law works. Exactly how the law works. Great. Okay. <laughs> God. Anyways, that's the Very lost colony of Roanoke. I like that. Shout out to Wikipedia and historycollection.com. 
I'm very happy that you shout out your references because I read too many and I'm not getting fucking sued for this podcast. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I wrote them down. I'm just not going to read every single one of them. Okay. Wikipedia is one of mine. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to clear. I've never had a single original thought. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, S. Dave. All right. Yeah. Me turn. Steve. Oh, um, So my story is about the Great Amherst Mystery, also known as Esther Cox. Esther Cox. I hope I'm not making fun of someone who was murdered. Why are you taking a picture of me? What's well, happening? And you and Lewis. I oh. was like, I'm capturing the action for our listeners. <laughs> like, this is weird. Listen, you're, you're famous in Europe. We're uh, behind the scenes. Anyways, I'm not right. interrupting. Going back to my story. It's not all about me. Um, so yeah, so the Great Empress Mystery, or also known as the Esther Cox story. Do you know what? No? No. Perfect. So a little background on Esther. She was born in March on March 28th in 1960 in Upper Stiak, Nova Scotia. So the story takes place in Amherst, Nova Scotia, hence Great Hamster Story. Okay. Can you see the Great Hamster Story? Amherst. Okay. <laughs> um, so Esther, so I've read multiple articles and some article, there's not much that we really know about her background. So some articles say she has six siblings, some say four. She had siblings. She had siblings. We know specifically of three that are a part of the story. So her eldest sister, uh, the eldest of family, Olive, her That's sister, crazy. Jane, and her brother, William. Love it. So they're all part of this name, this family. I love the name Olive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. Yeah. I like Olivia. I don't like Olive. I was, that was one of the names I was almost named. Oh. Olivia, Lauren, or Emma. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Well, I'm interrupting you a lot today. I'm really sorry. It's okay. I'm done. Um, So Esther's mom passed away when she was three weeks three weeks old uh and her father eventually remarried moved to maine so esther was left in nova scotia and she was raised by her grandmother that's awful he's like this family clearly has not worked out your mom died i'm gonna start a new one good luck kids uh you can live with me that's so shitty i know wow so her uh grandma raised her and then eventually Esther went to live, and this is where like the names are somewhat important, so pay attention. Okay. So when she was around like uh, I think 17, something like that, 17, 18, she went to live with her sister Olive, who had married Daniel Teed. Okay. In the house, uh, Esther, Jane, and William also live with with them. Okay. And then Dan's brother, John, also lived in there. Olive and Dan had two kiddos, Willie and George. Love that. So there's like a gaggle. Shit ton of people in that house. Yeah. Um, and basically just a general image of Esther. Um, so acquaintances. Lewis is getting up. <laughs> Goodbye, Lewis. Uh, acquaintances would describe Esther as a strange, moody girl who was unusually fond of pickles. <laughs> what a great description. I mean, like, who doesn't like, who doesn't like pickles? I know. 
great. You know you're a great person if like pickles is in your like. Imagine if you're not pickle girl. This Esther is pickle girl, moody pickle pickle girl though. Yeah. Uh, people say that um, she was strange and moody because she was raised by her grandma. Yeah, she's fucking. That's daddy issues for you. <laughs> but despite her being kind of weird, uh, she was a good girl with a good reputation. So that's an affinity for a good deal. Okay. <laughs> so that's the background on our gal Esther. Okay, love it. So our story begins in the summer of 1878. Okay. Uh, Esther, she. Um, had a little crush on this guy named Bob McNeil. Good old Bob. Bob McNeil was one of Daniel's, uh, who's Olive's husband, Yeah. Uh, employee. So one day he asks her out on a little date, takes her out on a carriage ride. Along the carriage ride, he suddenly stops the carriage, pulls out a gun, and orders Esther out of the carriage into a wooded area nearby. Esther refuses, fights against it, and thankfully for her, another carriage is heard coming down the road. So Bobby Boy gets back into the carriage, puts his guns away, his gun away, turns back around and drops her off home. Oh my god. And then he leaves. Uh, Esther doesn't tell her family what happened. So she just goes to bed, cries herself to sleep. And in the following days, she is shocked and upset. Yeah. Because Esther is known as being a moody girl. Esther. Her family just kind of like, eh believe victims also esther being esther girls if guys gays nays if anyone people. does that to you people like if, if someone does something bad to you that makes you feel unsafe you tell people yes god um so then family just basically since before this happened mcneil was always always at the cottage and they didn't really like him so after this incident he just never showed up so they're like ah I guess they argued, courtship is over. Good for everyone. Unfortunately, on September 4th in 1978, things took a darker turn for Esther. Oh, man. So, uh, as Esther and her sister Jane, they were both sleeping in the same bedroom. And uh, as they were settling in for a night um, in their beds, Jane suddenly feels like a mouse is moving into her mattress. So she gets up. All freaked out. Her and Esther kind of look everywhere for like signs of a mouse or mouse droppings or anything. Can't find anything. So they're like, ah, weird. There's nothing in the mattress. Go back to bed. Later in the night, they suddenly start hearing this like rustling sound under Esther's bed. Turn on the lights and kind of track down the sound to this like cardboard box that's underneath Esther's bed. Pull it out of the bed and in front of them, it jumps up a few in the air lands on the ground nothing's in the box they start screaming the box jumps up yeah what the fuck yeah so they start screaming and dan runs into the room to see what's happening they explain that the they felt something in the mattress and then the box just like flew in the air and he just laughs at them tells them to go back to sleep jesus yes following evening esther goes to bed early because she's not feeling well in the middle of the night, she wakes up to her sister, screaming, wake up, Jane, I'm dying. Jane wakes up to seeing Esther standing in the room, her face blood red, her eyes bulging out of her sockets, and her body just starting to swell up unexpectedly. What? Like yes. a balloon. Like a balloon. Like the girl in Willy Wonka. Yes. Jesus like Christmas. Um, 
so everyone, like everyone's screaming, the whole family runs into uh, one second, Esther is all red, and then boom, she's pale, 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 completely swollen up. So they push her back into the bed, and they can see she's in pain. All of a sudden, there's a loud sound like thunder that sounds in the room, and then three loud cracks underneath her bed. Esther passes out. What the fuck? <laughs> Uh, so the family checked out, make sure that she was alive, saw that she's still breathing. So everyone just went back to them. That's good. They're like, eh, weird. Everybody wakes up the following morning. Esther doesn't remember a single thing, so they don't. They don't talk about it. <laughs> They're just like, you remember the time you looked like you were fucking like bleeding <laughs> under your skin? <laughs> we don't talk about that. So you know, don't talk about it. It's fine. Don't go to the hospital. No. Okay. Great. Love that. <laughs> Great family. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Four nights later, Esther has another attack. Her body swells up again, but this time her bed sheets fly off of her. And it looks like an invisible hand just like tore them off the bed, threw them in the corner of the room. So Olive, who's like, what the fuck, my sheets, goes over, grabs her sheets, but puts them back on them. Same thing, they go flying off. So the family basically start wrestling with the bed sheets. Because <laughs> that's the principal issue at hand. <laughs> they're all like, they're trying to like, tort, like, they're all putting their weight on them so the bed sheets don't fly off of Esther anymore. And the pillow that was underneath Esther's head flies off from under his John, who was Dan's brother, right in the face, violently. Goes back under Esther's bed. And John just, like, fucks off. He runs away. You know how, like, babies have those, like, little zip-up suits? Yeah. Just get Esther one of those. <laughs> so, they're all fighting with the bed sheets. Again, loud knocks under her bed start, and then she just immediately goes to sleep. Everything stops. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, so, the following day, the family calls a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they explain uh, the swelling... The bizarre stuff happening and the doctor basically lasts it off but he's like you know what i will stay till like 1 a.m but nothing will happen when i'm here he I'm was sure wrong that, yeah i was gonna say <laughs> famous last words <laughs> so he basically shows up at 10 uh and examines esther who's already in bed because she's tired so she's been yeah getting attacked in the last few nights Fuck. uh and as he's examining her the pillow that's under her uh head completely as if an invisible person pulls it off, pulls it out from under her head, and then puts it back. And the doctor is like, oh, puts it back. They're yeah. like, sorry, actually. <laughs> sorry, that was Esther. rude. Here you go. Doctor cries out, and he's like, oh my god, have you seen this? Uh, John, he determined to win. He decides that he's going to pin the pillow down, and no one, like, whatever's doing this is not going to win. Okay. Obviously, pillow is wrenched out of his hand as if no one was holding it. Of course. And uh, goes back under her head again. And then they start hearing that knocking sound under her bed. So the doctor goes and checks under the bed. Can't see what's happening. And he looks around the room to find, like, an explanation. But as he's walking around the room, the knocking follows him. And then all of a sudden, they hear from behind the wall where the the bed is resting on some scratching sound look up at the wall and the seed carved into the wall esther cox you are mine to kill 
What the fuck? <sighs> so, <laughs> I have some suspicions, but I'm going to keep them to myself. So, the uh, paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think? <laughs> After that one night has completely increased in intensity and frequency for the three weeks that follows that night. Oh, and we know that happens. We know these steps. <laughs> So basically what happens after this, um, potatoes and wooden planks are thrown at Esther by invisible force. Waste curves. <laughs> um, also now, not only in a room or under a bed, there's violent banging sounds everywhere in the house. Uh, yeah. And while this is happening, oh, the doctor is actually there. So he decides to go outside to kind of check on the house, see, and he was across the street and he said like, couldn't see anything, but it sounded like there's someone on the roof with a sledgehammer just, like, going at it. That's how loud it was. Christmas. Yes. So. I think I know who they needed to call. <laughs> so, while um, this has been happening, happening recurrently, Jane, one of the sisters, she notices that the activity tends to respond to things that are being said. So, she, her and Dan decide to come up with a system. One knock means uh, yes. Um, one knock means no. Two maybe. Three yes. And basically they start communicating with this thing. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, and to see if it actually will communicate with them, he asks how many people are in this room right now. And in the article, in all the articles, it didn't say how many people were in there. But there is a equivalent number of knocks that sound counting the other people but these knocks shook the entire house sick love that <laughs> so good so uh, that's been happening all of that um people obviously talk people were hearing about this so a uh, multiple clergymen decide to come and show up and see what's happening and they're from different uh all different religions i didn't write down because you know not relevant to the story right now. Um, but a lot of people came to figure out, A, was this a hoax? What is happening? Blah, blah, blah. So one man, um, so during one of the previous incidents uh, with the loud knocking and all that, Esther kind of had a seizure. And during that episode, she kind of told them what happened with McNeil. Okay. And after telling them, she passed out again, went back to sleep, didn't remember telling them. The following day family asked if it was true she said yes they do anything about it not according to the story great great family <laughs> um so one of the clergymen uh clergyman i guess he uh believed that the shock of the mcneil incident kind of may turn esther into this type of like electric battery okay yeah um and that she would admit invisible flashes like lightning and that's why you would hear thunder in the house that's some science right there <laughs> um <laughs> another man um he just came over to kind of like see if it was true or not and while he was there he saw multiple things one of the most mo notable uh was that there's a bucket with like very cold water and in front of him it just started boiling okay uh, but he doesn't have a theory as to why this is happening. <laughs> Great. So this started in September. Now we're clear, close to the end of October. Um, word has gone out. 
people across the Maritimes are coming over to visit the tea cottage and see what is happening. People, there's two, two camps. Uh, one set of people think it's a hoax and they think that Esther is like hypnotizing people and mesmerizing them and creating all of this activity on herself, by herself. Um, but most of the people that came to the cottage left believing it was genuine. Also, I loved, like, because I was, like, quintessential East Coast Canada. Yeah. Like, just, hey, guys, stop by. What's going on? Heard you had a ghost. Yeah, I love that. Can I see? I love that. Um, so the activity continued up until December, but suddenly stopped when Esther contracted diphtheria. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> she survived. She oh, survived. okay. Uh, she recovered, and then she visited, went to visit one of her sisters had just gone married out of town for two weeks. During those two weeks and the time that she was sick, no activity. Love that for her. So Love the family kind of thought, oh, well, since Esther is away, like, I guess her, so when she came back, her, Esther and Jane were always sleeping in the same room, right? So in their minds, it was them sleeping in the same room that was causing the activity. Okay. So they decided to separate them. Thinking it was going to be in the activity. But they were super wrong. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> the Those activity the intensified. Right. So, um, not only did the entity make really loud-ass noise around the cottage, um, he hurled a bunch of objects at everyone in the house. He also pulled up a new trick. I love that you're referring to as he. Well, obviously. No. Obviously. I mean, fair. <laughs> um, you know, got a new trick. During okay. his, like, four weeks vacation, the entity started dropping lit matches from the ceiling onto Jane and Esther. Oh, that's so rude! <laughs> oh, uh, God. Causing mini fires everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's oh, one shit. report where uh, they were all sitting in Esther's room, and she had a, a dress hanging on a door. Yeah. And they saw the dress roll up on itself, come off of the hanger, under her bed, and burst on fire. Okay, love that. Um, so basically, while like the light, the matches were dropping everywhere. Uh, there's an <laughs> evening, <laughs> uh, a fire started in the cellar. Olive and Esther were home alone making butter. Tried to extinguish the fire, they couldn't. So they ran outside, screamed for help, and then this mysterious guy just showed up, extinguished the fire, fucked off. Mysterious firefighter, love it. That's how they talk about him. Love they, it. They don't know who he, the who unsung he is. hero. Never seen him again. Love it. Uh, so in the following weeks, the entity again decided to do something new. Ooh, he mix it up. They started to, he, the, a, what? Uh, <laughs> decided to talk to Esther. But the catch is, only Esther could talk, could hear the entity. No one else can hear him. It's, it's a little possession-y, eh? Yeah. Uh, and then one night she, like, Starts screaming and pointing at the corner and saying, like, can you see him? Can you see him? Uh, and obviously everyone turned around and they're like, no. <laughs> Esther, <laughs> we cannot. It's just your friend. Um, so that basically happened until one night the ghost told Esther that it would burn down the house if Esther stayed at the cottage that night. So to avoid this, Dan went to his neighbors and asked if Esther could go and stay with them. Okay. Uh, and they had been following this activity uh, religiously. And they're like, of course. Jesus. We want Esther. Okay. So, of course, the neighbors were like, yeah, we'll take her. We've been loving this story. It's been entertaining. We'll see what happens. Um, 
So when she moves in for several weeks, nothing happens. So all is good. People think it's fine until there's one day where she's um, cleaning the house, helping out. And the brush that she's holding just disappears. The fuck? So she tells the uh, lady of the house who then goes for her daughter and everyone's looking for this brush <laughs> in the house. <laughs> No one can find it until it drops from the ceiling and almost hits Esther in the head. I just like really want to see a really great inconvenient <laughs> magic trick. Step right up. Um, oh, hey, Lewis. So then this happened, and then nothing happened for another six weeks. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Um, but then randomly fires just start just happening. Fires. Just fires start happening in the house. Sick. Um, so the neighbor not wanting to lose his house or family tells Esther that she gotta go. Okay. But he nicely offers that she uh, goes and sorry, my dog is uh, extremely obnoxious. He would <laughs> he's like, I see that you guys are at like a very tense moment about fires. Let me just come in here. She crossed him. <laughs> are you done? Lewis, go lie down. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, so basically to avoid losing his house and uh, family, he has Esther go to live in the pub that he owns. Uh, and while she is there, to the amusement of the pub patrons, shit happens. Oh, good. And they love it. Because it's entertaining. Um, one notable event that happened while she was there is that the uh, pub owner's son had a pocket knife in his pocket. Flew out of his pocket stab Esther in the back. So then they pull it out of her back. Jesus. For the knife to fly back into her back again. Oh my god, like a human dartboard. Yes. Oh my god, Esther, you've had a rough go, honey. It's not even close to being over. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that basically happened. That brings us to the spring of 1879. Um, Esther's story is very well known at this point. So there's a military officer in St. John, New Brunswick that calls her up and is like, hey girl, come and visit. Hey girl. <laughs> uh, so she sold up over there and there's a bunch of, um, I don't want to say scientists because in the articles are like science minded gentlemen. Okay. So, <laughs> None of science who aren't scientists. So people are there to kind of figure out what's happening. Cool. So they develop a method to communicate with the entity that's haunting Esther. So they're pseudoscientists. Yes. Okay. Uh, so basically their method is that they ask a question, recite the alphabet, and then the entity knocks at the letter it wants, and they repeat this process until they have a full answer. That is the most inconvenient verbal Ouija board I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so throughout this process, though, they do find out some answers. One of which being they've asked who the entity was, and the entity said that their name was Bob Nickel. That he was a shoemaker in his past life. But when they kept talking, they found out that Esther wasn't really haunted by just Bob. <laughs> oh boy. Esther was haunted by Maggie Mary Fisher, Peter Cox, who was a relative that passed away four years ago, Jane Nickel, and Eliza McNeil. Sadly, I don't have more information on them, just that yeah. they've been haunting her. There's like a gaggle of people just yeah. like hanging out with her. Um, so that's what they find out. Why do uh, they hate her so much? We don't know. 
I feel like it was actually like, okay. A, I don't believe in this stuff. <laughs> B, I don't know. I feel like it's probably like, if it's true, which I don't think it is. It's true, Emma. <laughs> I would suspect it would be more like a demon pretending to be. All of these people. Yeah. yeah. The way that they do. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. So, uh, after she spends, uh, I lost my Okay. I'm here. Okay. So after this ordeal, Esther uh, decides to go stay with a family in Nova Scotia for eight weeks. Uh, and nothing happens. She has a nice little eight-week vacation. Great. Esther, recharge. Esther goes back to the tea cottage, where immediately shit starts to happen again. What if she just stops going there? What if she moves? Listen, we haven't thought of this yet, okay? Okay. Things get worse before we think of this. Okay. Uh, during this time, the American actor Walter Hubble, uh, he was on tour in Newfoundland, mm-hmm. obviously heard of the story and was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go move in with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would that ever be your choice? So he moves in. Uh, obviously pays. Nice Wally. And everything that we basically know of this, well not everything, most of what we know is from his accounts. He wrote multiple books about this uh, and Basically, he was there to see if a, it's true that it's happening and to document it. Sounds like Wally wanted to exploit a shitty situation. Yes. Um, so basically, he moves in uh, and he stayed with family for around like six weeks. Okay. Uh, during those six weeks, objects were thrown at him. Sick. Objects uh, disappeared in front of him and they were later dropped from the ceiling. He uh, also saw objects levitating and moving to another spot in the house. Multiple fires just started up in front of him. Um, pretty much all that was happening. Hubble did say, though, that he never felt like he was in danger. Yeah, because fires often make me feel safe. Yeah. You know, especially with shit dropping from the ceiling. Yeah. Don't know. He said that the energy felt more mischievous. Like, okay. the entity was doing this to annoy the shit out of the family and not to heal them. Okay. So that's his professional take. Yeah. On this. Walter, the paranormal expert. <laughs> uh, and also, one interesting thing to know is that the activity never happened on a Sunday. Well, you know, we all need a day off. Yeah. It's the um, So, fleet. Hubble was convinced that Esther wasn't actually doing this. That is so legitimate. Um, so, he then decided to start communicating with the entities. <laughs> He used the family's simpler method of one knock is no, two knocks is maybe, three is yes. Okay. And this is what he found out. The spirits had all lived on Earth once. Okay. They were not in heaven, though. Apparently. They were in hell. And they have seen the devil. Demons. (laughs) Demons! So on June 28th, 1879, uh... The house was suddenly woken up by the sound of a trumpet. (laughs) And the trumpet played the entire day. What did it play, though? It just just made... (laughs) Yeah, it just made that the entire day. Until the evening, where a small silver trumpet was dropped from the ceiling. New toy. No one owned a trumpet before (laughs) this. Oh, God. Hubble has... Has, it wasn't his. Like no one, no one knows where this trumpet came from. Um, also, one like one thing that the article, one of the articles I read was like Hubble kept the trumpet with promise to like donating it, but no one knows where it is. Of course he did. <laughs> Don't like angels have trumpets in terms of like mythology? 
I'm laughing. Yeah, but this this isn't an angel. I know, but maybe it's making fun of them. <laughs> More than likely, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, after this day, the activity just kept getting worse and worse and worse. It was more frequent. Uh, and it was to a point where the family was like, listen, Nestor, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh my god, it was the worst family <laughs> ever. Like, you gotta go for good. So she, uh, Hubble sure. decided to get to get her out of the house, decided to go on a speaking tour across the Maritimes. But they it didn't last very long because they weren't very well received. Yeah, no kidding. They were pretty much heckled at every show. Yeah. So then, uh, since that wasn't going to be a solution to get Esther out of the house, Dan and Olive asked a friend of theirs if she could stay at their cottage, at their house, out of different town, uh, I believe. I'm not sure, actually. Who would say yes? Well, they said yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so- I would not. I'm sorry. So... I wouldn't kick you out, but I also wouldn't volunteer for this shit. <laughs> you would have been right in this case. So shortly after she moved in, uh, the friend's barn broke down. Yeah. And Esther was accused of arson. Arson by proxy? I guess. So Esther is sentenced to four months in prison. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but she is released after one month for good behavior. I probably didn't want to deal with her shit either. <laughs> While she was in prison, there's uh, we don't know much information about this, but there's a guy who kept coming visit her. She uh, left prison, got married with him. Okay. And they had they had Things two children. Things are looking up for old Esther. Well, actually, after she got married, there's no more. Oh. Okay. She went on to live her life, perfectly peaceful with her two little babies and her husband, and that is the story. Of Esther Cox. I'm so happy she had happy ending. I did not see that for her. <laughs> I did not. I did not expect so it to that be was like, And that was all in a year, like in one year. That was one year. That was one year. That felt like a decade for her. I know. And I wasn't even the one dealing with her shit. Yeah. So um, Esther Cox is a very well. The Great Amherst Mystery is super famous in Nova Scotia. Okay. Um, and they now have this thing called Esther Fest. Esterfest? Yeah! Good for Esther! Uh, where they celebrate Esther and all things paranormal, and it sounds like we gotta go. Oh my god, absolutely. It sounds like so go. much fun. That sounds, it's very up our alley. <laughs> um, where is it? In Amherst, or is it? Let me, I had the article. It's in Amherst, obviously. Okay, yeah, I figured. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was canceled last year. Yeah, I mean, everything was. And this year, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, next time it goes, we have to go to Esterfest. Esterfest! <laughs> I love that for her. So basically, what people now believe happened is uh, obviously poltergeist. Obviously. Uh, and a poltergeist is very common to domestic situations. And since Esther was around when this happened, the, she, she's believed that it depends. Some articles say she's 14, some say 17, 18, but there's more 17 to 18. Okay. Um, but if you think of the math, if she really was born in 1860 and this happened in 1878, she was 18. Yeah, which is good if she got married the next yeah. year. So people believe that poltergeists are drawn to either moody teenagers, and Esther was known as a moody lover of pickle, pickle girls. girls. Yeah. Um, also, they're drawn to traumatic situations. Obviously, with what happened with uh, McNeil, that would have drawn in the energy. Yeah. Um, Lewis didn't want to miss the end of your story stuff. No. It's okay, Lou. So, yeah, that's all I have for you. Dang, Esther! <laughs> I'm so relieved you had a happy ending. Yeah! 
everyone well. Oh my god, you guys can't see Lewis literally just like ran into the room, put his head. Oh no, he's climbing onto stuff. It's okay, Lou. No, I'm not. And now he's making story. Yeah, wow. I didn't expect Esther to come out of that. Esther had a shitty fucking year. You don't say. Like now, whenever I have like a hard time, I'm like, you know what? No one is dropping like like, matches on me. Yeah, hundred (laughs) percent. No one is showing up of a trumpet and just fucking playing for days on. It made me think of like you know, like a kid starts to learn the recorder at school, they come home, they're like, listen to me play. It's like true advice. Like the supernatural version of that. <laughs> so yeah, Christ, Micaiah. So most people believe it's true. There's not a lot of people that believe it's a hoax. I believe in Esther. I believe that Esther believes it's true. <laughs> or believe she's probably dead by now. Oh, she's it's been super a while. Dead. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a minute. There's like one article that are like she would be 160 years old now, but she's not because she's dead. <laughs> oh, Esther, well. I'm glad Esther survived. I'm glad Esther seemingly had a happy ending. I hope she had a happy domestic life after. They didn't talk about it, so, you know. Great. <laughs> We're assuming it was fine. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> in Rona. It wasn't interesting enough to write about. Yeah. You know um, they did say, the one thing I did see where uh, she had moved away with her husband, where people haven't really heard about her. That's reasonable. So, she could live a life of not being Anonymity. Esther the Pickle Girl. Esther the Pickle Girl. Pickle girl. <laughs> Pickles and ghosts. <laughs> Oh my god, Esther. What so, a wild ride. Yeah. Oh, hey, Lewis. Please don't steal the microphone. Well, I guess this is as good of a time as I need to end the episode. Yeah, Lewis dog. is like sitting on the mic. <laughs> okay. Um, guys, uh, we've gotten a good number of submissions for stories. That's, yeah. We're really excited about that. Yeah, we want more though. Yeah. Come so on. Keep, keep them coming. Yes. Um, and as always, Keep it creepy and reach out to us. We love chatting. Yes. Leave positive reviews. Only. Because stuff can't handle it. No. I mean, you can do I'm not as strong as Esther. Yeah. <laughs> stuff perseveres, but not, <laughs> not to that extent. Hey, <laughs> right, guys. Um, yeah. We love you. Yeah. Like, like and subscribe for more creepy content. <laughs> Thanks, Lewis. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Creepy Vibes Only. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching for Creepy Vibes Only Podcasts. We absolutely appreciate and love your support, and you can do so by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to the show wherever you listen. If you wish to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at cvopodcasts at gmail.com or leave us a voice message on our podcast's page on Anchor. We will talk to you in two weeks. Bye! Yay!